Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from Rabbi Eli Kampfer. Let's listen in. A major theme of Parshat Toldot is bracha, blessing. This root comes 32 times in this parasha, more than any other in the Torah. God blesses Yitzchak in the beginning of the parasha, and much of the parasha focuses on Yitzchak blessing Yaakov and Esav. In prayer, we use the root bet resh kaf as the main verb of our blessing formula. What does it mean to say Baruch Atah Hashem, usually translated as Blessed are you, God? Although this parasha includes blessings from God to people and people to other people, humans blessing God also has deep biblical roots. Noah blessed God in Genesis 9.26, the first use of the word by a person in the Torah. In contrast to surrounding ancient Near Eastern cultures, the Torah was the first to innovate the use of the term barech with God as the object of a blessing and people as its subject. So we have to ask, what could it mean for a person to bless levarech God? On its face, this seems absurd. How can a person bless the Almighty? This act seems to imply God is missing something that humans, through the blessing, can offer. In the words of one medieval Jew who asked the following question of the Rashba, you asked, what is the meaning of brachot, blessings, since the blessing is an addition of goodness, tosefet tova? But what can a servant add to his master? Shuda Rashba 551. Indeed, the Talmud in Bava Metzia 114a advances the position that God does not need our blessings. A number of medieval authorities already stridently rejected any possibility that our blessing could be used to add anything to God, who is already infinitely blessed. What is the grammatical solution for those who don't believe God to be the object of Baruch? The word Baruch must not be a passive verb implying God being acted on by a human subject, but rather an adjective, God is blessed. Rashi in Brachot 11b rephrases Baruch Hashem as Hashem Sha'ata Baruch, God, that you are in a state of being blessed. The Rashba responds similarly to his questioner quoted above. God, by granting blessings to others, is known to be filled with blessing, and not that God receives bounty from something else larger than God. Seen as an adjective, the word baruch is similar to other descriptions of God, such as rachum and chanun, merciful and gracious, see Exodus 34.6. In other words, God is already blessed. We do not bless God. By saying baruch atah, we simply acknowledge through prayer that God is blessed. And we use baruch not to mean that people offer something tangible to God in an active way, but to describe God's existence and nature. It functions as a praise of God, who is the source of blessings in our own lives. But what if the idea of blessing God actively, in which Baruch would be a passive verb, not an adjective, was not as big a problem as these medieval and some modern authorities assume? 
We noted above that the Talmud in Bav Metziah 114a objects that God does not need blessings. However, the Talmud goes on to undo its proposed objection. God does need our blessings. What's the proof? The Talmud responds, God commanded us to bless God after we eat and are satisfied, Deuteronomy 8.10. This is a line we know well from Birkat HaMazon. You shall eat and be satisfied and bless Hashem, your God. In other words, there is a strong rabbinic understanding that preserves the action aspect of the word Baruch without reducing it entirely to an adjective. That brings us back to our question, what could it mean to think of blessing God as an action, not a description? This understanding is explored by Rabbeinu Bachia. At first, Rabbeinu Bachia condemns the idea that something could be added to God through our blessings, and states that blessings are only intended to make humans understand that all blessedness in our lives comes from God, who needs no addition. But then Rabbeinu Bachia writes provocatively, perhaps this isn't the whole story about the word Baruch as it relates to God. He writes, However, blessings are not needed only by regular people. Even the most lofty being needs blessings, as it's written, You shall eat and be satisfied and bless Hashem your God. Shulchan Shal Arba, Kitve Rabbeinu Bachia, pages 488 to 489. Rabbeinu Bachia provides a few other examples of God needing a bracha and then abruptly cuts the discussion short by stating, this is one of the mysteries of the Torah and the whole issue of intention, kavanah, in prayer stems from it. But it is not appropriate to explain or expand on this idea in writing. What kind of blessing could God actually need? One of the examples cited by Rabbeinu Bachia to illustrate his point is a story from Brachot 7a. It's taught in a Breita, an early rabbinic source. Rabbi Yishmael, son of Elisha, said, One time I entered into the utmost inner space to offer the incense offering on Yom Kippur. I saw Akatriel Ya Adonai Tzivaot sitting on a lofty throne. He said to me, Yishmael, my son, bless me, Barcheni. I said to him, May it be your will that your mercy will conquer your anger, and may your mercies override your negative attributes, and may you behave with your children through the attribute of mercy and go above the letter of the law with them. He nodded to me. We learn from this, do not let the blessing of a regular person, Birkat Hedyot, be light in your eyes. This story is quite astounding on a number of levels, including the vision that Rabbi Yishmael had of God, God's self. But the most important takeaway for our purposes is the deep relational nature of the encounter. In the most intimate of settings, the Holy of Holies, on Yom Kippur, God calls Yishmael my son and immediately asks for a bracha. The content of that blessing is one in which Rabbi Yishmael pleads for God to deepen the merciful aspect of God's relationship with God's children. Ruth Calderon comments on the relational aspect of this story and its daring understanding of the concept of blessing God. She writes, This story changes the direction in which blessing flows. Man no longer requests blessing from a silent God who hides his face from humanity. Rather, God requests blessing from one of his creatures in a face-to-face encounter. 
This conversation allows for an intimate encounter between the divine and the human. When God asks for a blessing from man and man responds, the dialogue is one of two souls. And this is the point. Baruch is not always a description or acknowledgement of the abundance that comes from God. It is also a word of drawing close, one meant to connect the subject and the object in a deeper way to each other. Indeed, if we could only praise God, if we could never give anything back to God or wish anything for God, we would have a hard time maintaining a relationship with God. All relationships are based on reciprocal actions and expressions of emotions. In Parshat Toldot, God offers a blessing to Yitzchak, drawing them closer to each other. Yitzchak offers a blessing to both of his children, another moment of drawing close. Perhaps when we say Baruch Hashem, we might also draw close to God and draw God closer to us. Shabbat Shalom. Our producers for this episode are Sam Greenberg and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to David Chavinsky for editing this episode. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.